Welcome to the High Performance Fatherhood Podcast, a podcast focused on helping dads move from fear-driven responsibility to high-performance fatherhood. I am your host, Troy Woods. Welcome to another episode of the Higher Performance Fatherhood Podcast. I am super excited uh, to be with you guys today for another episode, but more importantly, I'm excited to have this gentleman in front of me um, who is someone I have over the last year learned a great deal about. Um, I respect him um, to the utmost, and I've learned so much about the mission and what he is um getting accomplished, not even trying to do, but just getting accomplished across the country, across the world. Um, But we are fortunate today to have our guest who is Commissioner Kenneth G. Hodder. Uh, He is the National Commander for the Salvation Army. Um, I'm just honored uh, to be here. Um, First of all, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for for sitting down and having this conversation with us, sir. Troy, thank you so much for the invitation to be here today. I have looked forward to the opportunity to talk with you because what you are doing through this podcast and through 300 Fathers is so important to the men of our country and to the children that they are seeking to be good fathers for. So thank you for this opportunity to share with you today. Absolutely. You're so welcome. You're so welcome. But listen, everyone, the first thing I want to do um, I, I, because I think it's 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 worth doing is I want to read um, his bio to you all because I want you guys to understand the magnitude of the guests that we have on our podcast today. Commissioner Kenneth Jihada serves as a national commander for the Salvation Army, a sixth generation Salvationist. Commissioner Hodder is a graduate of Harvard College and Harvard Law School. In 1986, after several years in the practice of corporate and real estate law, Commissioner Hodder and his wife, Jolene, responded to God's call to service as Salvation Army officers. Commissioned in 1988, they served in uh, core appointments in Glendale and Torrance as instructors at the School for Officers Training and later as staff officers at USA Western Territorial Headquarters. They also served in divisional leadership roles in both Los Angeles and Portland, Oregon. Commissioner Hodder was appointed in March 2006 to serve as the Chief Secretary in the Kenya Kenya Territory, where he had primary operational responsibility for the creation of two Salvation Army territories. Three years later, the Hodders were appointed to international headquarters in London, where Commissioner Hodder served in dual roles as International Secretary for Personnel and as Legal and Constitutional Advisor to the General. He and his wife were subsequently appointed in 2013 to lead the Kenya West Territory, from which they returned in January 2017 to lead the USA Western Territory. Commissioner Hodder was appointed by General Brian Peddle to take up his current role as National Commander on July 1, 2020. He also serves on the Board of Directors for the Christian Leadership Alliance and the National Association of Evangelicals is a member of the Generosity Commission, Leadership 18, and the Just Serve National Advisory Council, and has been appointed as an organization representative to the Faith-Based Security Advisory Council of the Department of Homeland Security. You've done a lot. (laughs) It keeps me busy. (laughs) So, listen, I... um, One of... We spoke last year when I was here, and one of the reasons that... I was really interested to get your perspective Mm. is because I think that you have seen an aspect 
of fatherhood from a perspective that um, many may not get. And a lot of it has to do when I was doing research for the podcast, I was looking at so much that the Salvation Army is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we tend to look at fatherhood, we look at the man, the person, but a lot of times we we don't see the situations that cause issues uh, not only yes. with that person, but also in the home. Right. So one thing I want to do, because let's just be honest, um, a, a lot of people, when they hear Salvation Army, they don't really understand the full magnitude of what it is that you all do. And if I'm being frank with you all, it wasn't until I was here last year that I'm like, this is a lot bigger than what I had initially anticipated. So my first question to you is, can you tell me one or two things that people may not know about the Salvation Army. Sure, I'd be glad to. Most people will know that the Salvation Army does a lot to help people, mm-hmm. but they don't know very often precisely what we do to help people, Right. and they don't know why we do it. So the first thing that I think people don't generally understand is that the Salvation Army is a denomination of the Christian Church. Okay. Individuals who worship at the Salvation Army refer to themselves as Salvationists. Mm -hmm. We are a part of the Wesleyan Holiness Movement. Mm -hmm. So those who wear red epaulets are the ordained clergy. Those who wear blue are the laity. So we have everything associated with a church. We have uh, the worship services. We have the youth groups. uh, Everything that people would recognize. Mm But we believe that our particular call within the church body is to serve those who are most ignored or marginalized in society. And that's really reflected in our mission statement. Our mission statement is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and meet human needs in his name without discrimination. So there will always be, wherever you find the Salvation Army, that element of proclamation and that element of service. Okay. That means that the Salvation Army will do whatever a community needs to have done and will do it in the name of Christ. So when people say, well, I'm not entirely sure what you do. In fact, somebody the other day said to me, oh, I love the Salvation Army. I said, well, that's very kind of you. Thank you. Uh Do you know what we do? Well, no, but I'm sure it's something good. So it's a very common experience. We, when we send someone to a community, we give them a very simple instruction. Do what that community needs to have done okay. and do it in the name of Christ. Okay. So in some communities, it will be homeless services. In other communities, it will be drug and alcohol addiction services. In others, it will be services to seniors. It may be character building programs for children who might not otherwise have an opportunity to grow and to thrive. We are an international part of the body of Christ that seeks to make his love real and understood by everyone with whom we come into contact, whether their need is encouragement or it's food and shelter. That's interesting. The thing that I pulled from what you just said was to meet the need of what a particular community needs. That's right. So you don't go in with a predetermined this is what we're doing. It's, it sounds like you all go in, you kind of do an assessment, and then provide um, what that particular community needs. Absolutely. The way we're set up is not by committee. 
It's a hierarchical part of the church. So it's very easy for the Salvation Army to say, we need someone there, now you go. Okay. And when they go into that community, they'll say, well, this organization is handling this, this organization is handling that, this is where the need is not being met. And if over time, others start to meet that need better than the army is doing it, we'll shift to something else. There is an inherent flexibility and okay. adaptability in what we do. Okay, okay. So with that, I know you mentioned the, um, the different aspects and services that you all provide, but one that stuck out to me was the rehabilitation services. Yes. Um, specifically, it says that you all combat addictions, regain healthy, uh, health and stability, build work and social skill, and then the big one for me was restore families. Yes. So if I'm not mistaken, I think you guys work with about 150,000 people? Or oh, absolutely. The, the Army serves about 30 million people every year okay. uh, in this country. We're the largest non-governmental provider of social services. For drug and alcohol addiction, we help hundreds of thousands of men and women every year. We have a six-month residential program okay. that consists of three parts, counseling, work therapy, and uh, worship. Okay. So it, those three-legged stools are the heart of the Army's rehabilitation program, okay. and it's the most successful program in the country. We have a success rate in terms of overcoming addictions uh, of an excess of 30%, which is far higher than any other approach. Mm -hmm. uh, and that we believe is because we want to address the whole person. Okay, They're coming with all kinds of things yeah. in their background. They're coming with challenges. They might have had a difficult family situation that has compounded their problem. Mm -hmm. They might not recognize that they're loved by God, that, that they have a tremendous uh, uh, love from in the in the person of Jesus Christ mm -hmm. and the opportunities they have. So over those six months, which cost absolutely nothing, by the way, okay, anybody can come in at any time, and people can come as many times as they wish. Wow, okay. Uh, the Salvation Army will help everyone to recognize these things, and uh, ultimately it proves to be a life transformation. One, one thing, um, because I think about just different things that I've seen over my life when we talk about fatherhood. And a lot of times, as men, we blow it. Um, yes. We make mistakes um, in, yes. different, in different areas. Um, but specifically for men who have had personal challenges, even yes. whether that's with drugs, alcohol, or whatever, a lot of men have lost their families um, behind this. And the, the thing that kind of tears at me when I hear these stories is, they didn't want to lose their family, um, but they're trying to better themselves to get back. Like, ha have you seen, like specifically when we're talking about men, fathers, um, yes. and, and this particular work here with the rehabilitation services, what has been your experience with seeing that aspect along with fatherhood? Oh, you're absolutely right, Troy. Recently, I happened to be in Dallas at okay. our adult rehabilitation center. And it was graduation night. Okay. So at the appropriate moment in the meeting, mm -hmm. all of the graduates came on to the platform and they had their gowns and they had their mortarboards. And they started to sing. 
songs of praise. Mm -hmm. And between each song, one of the men would take the microphone and explain how they had come from where they were to where they were today. And it was a great occasion. Lots of wonderful stories, lots of laughter. They put up on the screen behind them the pictures of what they looked like before they arrived Mm -hmm. or when they arrived. Mm -hmm. And then here before them were these restored men. But it all came to a head when one man took the microphone and he said, "Uh, I want to thank God and the Salvation Army for giving me back my family. Mm. And he held his arm out and he dropped the mic. And he walked to the front of the platform and he knelt and he opened his arms wide like this. Mm -hmm. And all eyes went to the back of the chapel. And there was a little girl of about eight years of age with long brown hair. And when she saw her father kneeling in front of him like that, she started to run down the aisle toward him. This chapel was filled with men who had lost everything, who've lost their careers and their homes and particularly their families. And they saw this little girl running up toward their father. The place went wild. There were women there and they wept. The men cheered. And when that little girl jumped into her father's arms and he stood up and he gave her a kiss on the cheek, the place went crazy. Wow. You know, this is at the heart of what we want to be. Uh, God has created us for relationship. Mm -hmm. He has given us the opportunity to have a relationship with him. And that is reflected in the relationships he wants us to have with those whom we love Mm -hmm. and those whom we can train up in the ways of the Lord. Uh, Helping men to become everything that God intends them to be as men and as fathers is one of the greatest joys I've had in my ministry. um, As you were saying that, it was kind of hard for me not to think about my own children. Um, And even um, when you have those tough days and sometimes, and I I try to tell dads this all the time, the, um, the joy just from a hug. Absolutely. You know, now they're not telling you how to solve a problem. They're not, you know, yep. but they're just um, being able to be in touch with who they are, I think has, has, has been something that I found beneficial. Now for, for the men who um, have like lost it and they want to get it back, is there a period, do you, is there something in place where, um, I know you guys work particularly with the fathers of the men. Yes. But to put them in a, is there some type of, I know when people have been incarcerated and come out, there's some type of reacclimation. Yes. Is there something in place or any advice maybe that you would have for, okay, you've done this to get back on track. Sure. This is how, you know, cause children are very receptive. Mm. They can be opinionated sometimes, mm-hmm. but there's a process sometimes that love does, I believe, fix everything. Yes. But sometimes it's hard to figure out how do I reconnect? I understand. Two things I would say here. The first is that every man must decide what's going to be important to him in life. 
and you can make that decision today. I have, since I was in college, had a little personal mission statement. Okay. And I write it out every month. I'm I'm from the old school. I still use a day timer. I get right. it. Okay. I totally I, get I, it. I apologize for that. <laughs> no, you know? I get it. I, trust me, I understand. <laughs> so every month I write out my mission statement, and my mission statement establishes for me what my priorities are. It says, I will serve my God to whom I owe everything, my family who I love limitlessly, and the army to which I am called. So I every day remind myself I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve the Lord who has given me everything I have. Consider my family to be the greatest gift that I've been given mm -hmm. and then to do what he's called me to do. So the first thing I think everything every father needs to do is to say what am I trying to achieve? What what where am I in all of this? Mm -hmm. The second thing I'd say is once you've established that and assuming that you have put family uh, near the top of your list, and mm -hmm. I certainly believe that every man finds his greatest joys in family. Absolutely. Um, I think you say to yourself, am I going to try to take on all of that responsibility myself mm -hmm. or am I going to try to point my children towards someone who has all the oh, answers? Oh, that's good. That's good. Because the fact of the matter is, Troy, you and I don't have the answers. We simply don't know enough. When a child is born, we start from absolute scratch. Mm -hmm. We're saying, I don't know, I don't know how to be a father. What, what am I supposed to say? How am I supposed to act? How am I supposed to, to guide them? There is in our society this sense that you have to create yourself, that you're responsible for yourself. I think that's dead wrong. I think scripture suggests that we are not our own. We belong to Christ. We are dependent creatures that are look to our creator as the source of our strength. That's good. So if we simply say to our children, I want you to do what the Lord would want you to do, it opens the door to mm -hmm. their exploration of truth now, I believe as a Christian that that truth is found in the Word of God. I believe it's nurtured by the example that a father can give. But I don't think fathers should ever think, I need to have my hit list of principles that I'm going to teach. This is really great. Yeah. You know, live, live your life with those priorities, putting the Lord first, and then just point your kids toward the Lord. And then... Open the doors for them to do that. Uh, uh, encourage them to go to church. Uh, tell them uh, Bible stories. Uh, read to them at night. And you'll be astonished at what God can do even when you yourself don't have all the answers. That, I, I don't, the magnitude of what you just said from just not having to have all of the answers mm. we're programmed in society you need to know or they will degrade your manhood they will do different things sure but i think it's almost like 
forgive me for going on a tangent with this, but it's almost like I knew what you just said. I knew that, but it's almost like hearing it almost for the first time like that. Think of the way that message is reinforced. Mm -hmm. Uh, Discover yourself. Follow your passion. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, do what you what you think is best. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, constantly improve yourself. Uh, you need to exercise more. Uh, you need to eat less. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to get a better education. Now, I'm not saying that these things aren't important. Of course they are. Mm-hmm. But if you decide that you're going to live your life simply seeking efficiency and self-improvement, you're going to be constantly pushing a stone up a hill and that stone is going to roll back down on top of you because we can't do it in ourselves. We just simply can't. But if we say, Lord, I want to be the best that I can because I want your will to be done in my life and I want your will to be done in my child's life, then you become a seeker as well. And you're learning as the Lord leads you through life. And your child is watching you learn these lessons and you're pointing them to that same Lord. Wow, the creator of the universe, the source of truth, uh, the uh, uh, guide, the perfect guide, the one who loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's in my judgment, the best way to be an effective father. Um, what would you say? And I, um, I'm, I just I'm kind of ad libbing this one a little bit. Um, everything that you mentioned when you were going over the things that our society has been telling us that we need to do more of this, more of this, all of which, like you say, they're not wrong, but none of them pointed back to a relationship with Christ. That's right. Um, how do you feel the identity crisis that we see today? Do you feel? How do you feel these messages have impact? Because it seems like a lot in identity crisis for, for all the listeners, all the people that are watching can be, I believe an identity crisis can be in different ways. We're not talking about one specific thing, mm. but there's so many messages out there now. Like we don't have prayers in school anymore. Um, you know, it's, and the thing that bothers me so much is what we see. And we can talk about this a little later toward the end, but the programming and what we see going on in our school system yeah. with leaving so much leaving so much up for children to figure out on their own i'm like well, what is a parent for that exactly right you know the the whole emphasis of our society uh is built upon this notion of self definition there's a wonderful book by uh, dr carl truman mm-hmm. called the rise and triumph of the modern self and what he does is, in a very accessible way, he describes how philosophical movements beginning back in the 1700s mm-hmm. have over time brought us to the point at which reality is self-defined. I am this, and the world must affirm that I am this. And mm-hmm. if the world disagrees with that, well, then the world needs to change. Well, ultimately, that's a, a recipe for chaos. Mm-hmm. Mm. This, mm-hmm. this, you know, it's going to cause young men uh, to say, "Well, if I have to define myself, I'm going to be uh, strong. I'm going to be powerful. 
I'm going to achieve prominence. And if the world doesn't give it to me, well, then I'm going to take it by force. Mm -hmm. uh, and if they don't have a father uh, in the home, as uh, sadly increasingly is the case across the country, they have no other model. They have no other moderating influence uh, uh, to, to really impact the way their, uh, their approach in life. Mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're creating a situation in which people and which men uh, are, are directionless. So why would, be, why would we be surprised that there's violence? Why would we be surprised that young men look to gangs? Mm -hmm. uh, they have no other relationships. They have no other connections. Mm -hmm. A father has a huge role to play in saying to a son or a daughter, do what the Lord wants you to do. Look at Jesus, look at his truth, and then seek to be like him. Mm -hmm. You do that, boy, you have really set them on the right track. What is it, Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and Absolutely. when he is old, he will not depart from it. From their earliest days, you seek to make them aware of the opportunities that they have, and the responsibilities that they have, and the joys and the obligations, that balanced view of how life works. I don't know how to do that in my own strength, nor do you, mm -hmm. uh, but the Lord does. Right. And uh, it's, the best, it's the best way to live your life. It all comes back to following the main model. It does, and think of how freeing it is. If, if, you, if you know yeah, You're not you're right. responsible for creating yourself. Wow. That no, that I literally when you said that earlier, um, as far as basically not having to have all of the answers. Yeah. It's almost like I felt it go. Oh, okay. You know, <laughs> uh, because it's if things aren't going right, if you're having different challenges, you know, and whatever it could be, you feel you always hear about. The burden on the shoulders you got to have strong shoulders to carry it right. but we never as a man we never really look or or told hey you need to give that give it to god so he can help you through. it's just we hear it but i don't think it's reinforced enough i understand entirely and you know when are we ever told by the world that we've met that burden that's laid on our shoulders never Right. Because it's never enough. Absolutely. You're it's right. never enough. Uh, I referred earlier to pushing a stone uh, up a hill. That was a, a great analogy. That's a Greek myth uh, called the myth of Sisyphus. Sisyphus was a man who was condemned for all eternity oh. to push a stone up a hill. And just before it got to the top, the stone would roll back down again. And he had to go back to the bottom and do it. And for all eternity, that's what he would do. That's precisely the situation we're putting many men in today. I've got to make the right decision. This burden is mine. This responsibility is mine. I have to define it. I have to, I have to implement it. I have to execute it in the most efficient way possible. And if I don't, I have failed. So now it's time to start again today, and I need to be. It's it's a constant, mm -hmm. constant uh, burden that you never escape. The wow. wonderful thing about following Jesus Christ is you take all of that burden 
as we often sing in our hymns. Mm -hmm. And you just lay it at the foot of the cross and you say, I'm not able to do this. Every part of me uh, is touched by sin. My motivations uh, are mixed at best. Lord, come into my life and free me from this. Mm. And he does. And when he does, he creates an opportunity for you to develop that relationship with him. Mm -hmm. And that cannot help but be visible to the people around you, your children and your wife uh, and the people you work with and the people you interact with in the community. Uh, it, it's it's going to shine like the city on a hill. As Absolutely. Tells us. So, this is this is amazing. Um, we've kind of talked about it, but and and kind of a one, two, three. What would you say is a responsibility of a father? Um, let's let's just go maybe the top three responsibilities of a father. Kind of narrow it down a little bit. Um, in your opinion. Okay. Number one. Uh, Love God. Number two, love your wife. And number three, unconditionally love your child. All three are love. Number three, unconditionally love your child. Mm. Um, a lot of men, a lot of fathers, because of what we've already discussed, the the pressures of the world and the the ideologies that the world gives you are are in situations with their family with a child or children that they find like okay this is not what I had planned for my family or this is not what I had envisioned for a dad that has a child that may be presenting some different challenges whatever yes. those challenges are yes. what advice would you have for that dad because Again, we come into fatherhood, and a lot of us don't do what we talk, we've already discussed. Right. We try to set up, okay, this is, my family's going to operate like this, right. and this is what I'm thinking. I want my kids to do this. And then it doesn't go according to your script. That's right. And you're clueless at this point, and now you start reacting in ways that definitely aren't going to help the situation. Yes. So what would your advice be to a dad that's in that situation that has a child that may not be doing what they feel that they should do? Okay. Uh, let me do that by means of an analogy. Okay. In the Old Testament, Abraham was given the tremendous gift of his son Isaac. Mm -hmm. And at a certain point, God said to him, I want you to sacrifice your son Isaac. So Abraham does something he could never have imagined. He places his son on the altar of worship. And as the scripture tells us, uh, the Lord provided another sacrifice <laughs> and the child was given back. I have always wondered about that moment when Abraham takes Isaac off the altar and hugs him. Because at that moment, Isaac is more valuable than he ever was beforehand. Absolutely. In the same way, if you have a child that has uh, lived a life or is living a life uh, that brings sorrow and disappointment, we can do no less than Abraham did. We take that child 
and our relationship with that child, and we lay it on the altar again. Mm-hmm. And we say, Lord, I don't have the answer to this. I don't know why this is so, but you know how much I love this child. I'd do anything for this child. The Lord will, I believe, often give that child back, and you'll love that child all the more. If, however, the Lord does not give that child back, you have still done what the Lord has called upon you to Mm. do, Mm -hmm. which is to say, this child is not mine. This child is yours and I give him back. In um, the Salvation Army, we uh, don't uh, observe baptism. We believe in baptism, Mm -hmm. and certainly people do it, but we don't practice it. We're Mm -hmm. Mm non-sacramental. But what we do have is a dedication ceremony. Okay. And in the dedication ceremony, uh, a mother and a father will be asked to give their child back to God. Mm -hmm. And from the moment they receive them back, they are no longer uh, uh, acting uh, in their own capacity. They're now acting as stewards. That's exactly what I was thinking. Okay. They're acting as stewards of God. They're saying, all right, this child belongs to the Lord. What can I do now that the Lord would want in the life of that child? If that child strays because of his or her own decisions, Ultimately, they have a relationship with the Lord as well. Mm -hmm. A steward can only do his or her best. Now, does that mean it's going to be hard? It sure does sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's going to be difficult and painful. Mm -hmm. But I believe that that pain, as difficult and overwhelming as it can be, uh, is less than the pain of trying to do it all yourself, mm-hmm. seeing it go wrong, mm-hmm. because from there it only gets worse and worse and worse. That um, the steward aspect of it, I think, is um, again. So, it, it, it for for you all that are listening or watching the podcast, you're you're starting to see a recurring theme. Um, we talked first about. Um, the fact of men not having to have the blueprint. That's right. Um, and to basically lean on Christ to help understand the whole role of fatherhood. Mm. And now we have the actual part of the child giving the child to Christ, Christ giving the child back, and now you're acting in the role of steward. Again, you're taking the pressure off of Precisely. Off of the man. Right. Off of the man. A steward obeys the instructions of his master. Right, right. Oh, this is so good. Um, Really quick, uh, what would you say is your perceived correlation between, and we've kind of already talked about this a little bit, but between absent fathers and children? Now, the the angle I want to take with this particular question is Mm -hmm. not so much you're absent because of what we talked about before. before. You haven't, um, well, we talked about the re- rehabilitation program yeah, and those types of challenges. Sure. But you're just absent because you're not there. Um, and you don't understand the magnitude of what, this. it's almost like a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the, 
what have you seen that's been taking place in society, our society? Have you seen any correlation between, okay, these three things happen and the one thing they have in common is dad's not home. Yeah. What, what is your perceived correlation with that, or that you've noticed? Well, of course, your listeners will know that there are all kinds of studies uh, on the impact of absent fathers uh, in terms of our, our, our society and uh, educational achievement of children, the, mm. the, the violence uh, that we see, the uh, disconnection, the alienation. From my own experience, I see it all the time in the despair of children. The children lose hope. Mm -hmm. uh, when children come to the Salvation Army and they're with their mom and there's no father in the family, uh, the children um, uh, aren't entirely sure that there's anybody who cares for them beyond their mom. Mm -hmm. And especially for young boys, mm -hmm. that has a massive impact on their own self-image. Okay. Uh, how, are they, how are they supposed to function? At the Salvation Army's croc centers, mm -hmm. which are set up around the country, uh, they have an explicit goal to help children become everything God intends them to be. So they're tremendous facilities with pools and with uh, gyms and with all kinds of classes and educational enrichment. But all of that uh, cannot compare to the relationships that those children need to have. The children need a foundation. They need, they need someone who is going to look down at them authoritatively and say, this is what you need to keep in mind as you move forward. And quite frankly, Troy, I have to acknowledge here right now, mothers and fathers play different roles mm -hmm. in society. Absolutely. Someone has said that there is no such thing as parent. <laughs> there is father mm -hmm. and there is mother. Mm -hmm. And they serve different roles in the development of a child. I believe that. And uh, mothers are going to love and nurture, and they're going to support and they're going to care. A father's going to say that there are, that I love you, the world has challenges, you can rise to those challenges. Now that's a very rough description. Mm -hmm of how it works out. But I believe there's a great deal of evidence to demonstrate that that's precisely the case because we're seeing it in our children. And it's apparent in those who come to the Salvation Army. We have a program called Pathway of Hope. Okay. Pathway of Hope is designed for families that find themselves on the edge. And it's designed to provide stability going forward for that family. So it'll include all kinds of things. It'll include job training, and it will include uh, uh, financial management training, mm -hmm. everything to keep them in their homes. Because we know that if people lose their homes, it's going to be three times as expensive to get them back in as it is to keep them there. Mm -hmm. And in the Pathway of Hope program, the presence of a father increases the potential for success exponentially. Wow. Exponentially. Now, why are men deciding not mm -hmm. to stick around? 
we're back to the first point. You're only responsible for yourself. Mm -hmm. And go out and do what you want to do. Your first responsibility is to you. Mm -hmm. And you're going to define yourself and you're going to pursue your goals. But the joys of life don't come in that kind of freedom. That's not freedom at all. That's, that's a lack of limits. Mm -hmm. Freedom and joy is found living a life that is in, con that is in uh, correlation with God's plan for the way we should live our lives. Mm -hmm. That's freedom. And uh, when fathers decide that they don't want to be involved in their children's lives, I think therefore that they're pursuing an illusion Mm -hmm. that doesn't exist and that leads ultimately not to their joy or satisfaction but to their disappointment and certainly it negatively impacts their children as well. So the illusion that you're thinking that they're chasing is an illusion of self or? Yes, it's an illusion of self. It's, it's I'm going to create myself and uh, if I go off in this direction, I'll just leave aside uh, those relationships uh, and I'm going to go off and do this. That is, that is what the world tells us is freedom, that you should be free to do whatever you wish. Mm -hmm. But that limitlessness uh, is not the freedom. I don't think it's the freedom that uh, Scripture speaks about at all. Mm -hmm. Freedom in Christ means precisely that, freedom in Christ. our relationship right. with Christ, becoming like him. Because when you do that, suddenly all the other concerns, not all the other concerns, but certainly uh, much of the world's uh, 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 inaccuracies and, and false narrative starts to fall away. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, that's what God intends. He intends for us. He loves us. He cares for us. He wants us to have the best. So that freedom in Christ is freedom in that relationship with him and following his, his Absolutely. rules. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, as we, as we kind of bring this home, um, how do you think a father can support the emotional development of their child as far as there's so many pressures that kids face today and there's so many you know and it, it's funny because I, I remember growing up I remember him, my parents saying certain phrases and I'm like sure. man that's that's you guys that's that's for the old <laughs> folks and now I'm getting here and I'm like I'm saying the same thing. It's like you guys have to deal with so much more than what we had to deal with. And it seems like every generation says that. Yes. But with that, there's like we, we take what happened the last couple of years mm -hmm. uh, with everything with the pandemic. And I had a chance to sit down. I'm, I'm in Prince George's County in Maryland. And I had a chance to sit down um, with the, uh, the CEO of the school system. And one of the questions I asked was, there were so many fights that were happening in schools. I'm like, mm -hmm. you you would hear about it over the, you know, of course you would hear about it from sure. time to time, but it was like every day. It's like something, I'm like, why? what is going on? And it all came down to the emotional things that the children were dealing with from being home for two years, yeah. being exposed, you know, because a lot of times families will go through things and they trying to shield it from the kids, but if you're around someone 24-7, that stuff's going to start coming out. Absolutely. And there was so much emotional damage that was done. Like, 
what how do you think fathers specifically can support their children emotionally um because typically that's not that's usually an avenue we look at mom for sure um but as men we don't uh, tap into even our own emotional side sometimes right but especially that with our children what do you think some of the a, a couple pieces of advice you would have for that you know there there I mean, we could have uh, a huge symposium on this issue this, <laughs> this is a big one a couple of things uh, first of all i mentioned earlier uh love your wife mm-hmm. uh, the example that you give to your children if you care for your wife if you if you watch after her if her thriving is more important than your own mm. your children are going to see that and you can expand that out to what are the images that your child is going to grow up having of you? Is it going to be uh, an image of you uh, sitting in a chair reading the Bible? Uh, or is it going to be an image of you uh, angrily hitting the wall because the world is not doing uh, what uh, you as a father believe the world should be doing? Mm-hmm. Those little images are going to have a huge impact. So what images are you creating for your child? Second thing, of course, is loving them unconditionally. Uh, when they come home, tell me about your day. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you're thinking. Did that upset you? How did you respond? Just talking. It's not quality time. It's just time. time. It's just, are you there? so that your child can blurt out a question when even the child didn't anticipate they were gonna ask that question right. in the first place. Right. Uh, you don't have to plan it, it's, you're just present. Uh, and I use that not in a, uh, the modern sense, mm-hmm. uh, because that suggests that, you can, that it's just the present that matters. Mm-hmm. It's just that you're available. Mm-hmm. The last thing I would say in terms of emotional health is that you say to your child, do your best, and then leave the rest of it. Mm. Okay. Do your best, leave the rest. Uh, you want your child to strive. You want them to be challenged. Mm-hmm. But in the end, you want them to be satisfied with who they are. Mm-hmm. And you want them to know that they are loved and cared for regardless of whether or not uh, they are the toughest kid in school or the most successful kid in school mm-hmm. they're enough right you tell a child that they're enough and boy you've done a huge thing to advance the emotional health of that child two things do your best and leave the rest again we're going back to that notion of taking the pressure off that's right um and the big one it's not quality time it's just time it's just time we don't there, in this episode, there have been several things that I'm so glad we had the opportunity to talk about because it breaks the stereotype. There's certain things that we don't even aware of. No one would ever think, well, what's wrong with quality time? Well, all time should be, you know, it shouldn't be a time where it's not really quality That's time. That's right. Um, I think we have come to a point in this conversation um, where... I will say this, I have grown from this conversation. Um, I knew that I was gonna be able to pull some things out of it personally, you know, and, and honestly, that's one of the, the 
things that I, I wanted for this podcast because I knew I didn't have all the answers. And I knew through these conversations, not only were providing information for other dads, um, other fathers, but I would grow. Mm-hmm. So there was there's a personal development aspect in there for me as well. Um, I want to thank you so much for this opportunity to sit down. You are an extremely busy person. Um, and without hesitation, I got a reply just like that about um, being a guest on the podcast. So thank you so much uh, for taking time out of your busy day to sit down and not just have this conversation, but to share your wisdom, to share your insight. Um, we look forward to the future, um, anything that we'll be able to do together, because I, I, I support everything that you guys are doing. You guys have been super supportive um, towards us and, and even in just this. Uh, Troy, this has been a great honor to be with you. I'm wondering if you and I can pray for all your listeners. Absolutely. Here can we do that? We sure can. Loving Heavenly Father, I want to thank you again for Troy. I thank you for what he and his team are doing to advance fatherhood in our nation. And I pray, Father, specifically now for everyone listening to this podcast, I pray that you'll encourage them. The men listening to this podcast, Lord, want to be better fathers. And so I pray that they will look first and foremost to you. I pray, Father, that they will understand how precious they are and that the responsibilities that they have as fathers are not responsibilities they need to carry on their own, that they can look to you and your son, Jesus Christ, as a source of strength and truth. I pray, Father, that you will make us, Troy and and me, better fathers. Lord, that you'll make us better grandfathers. Help us to be better examples of what it is to live for Christ and by so doing, to make our families stronger, our communities stronger, and our nation stronger. For all of these things, we ask the powerful and precious name of your Son, Jesus Christ, to be above it all. Amen. Amen. All right, everybody. Thank you again for tuning in to this episode of the High Performance Fatherhood Podcast. And with that one, we'll catch you in the next one. Take care. Say how you feeling right now. Thank you for listening to another episode of the High Performance Fatherhood Podcast. For questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email us at podcast at 300fathers.com. Say it, say it.